Gimel is the event itself. Forty years of traveling through the desert, Kriyas Yamsuf, Hasinai. And now Kal Yisrael are about to enter Eretz Yisrael. They're about to cross the Yardin, the Jordan River, is where our parak begins. A monumental moment in Jewish history. The Jewish people are about to return to the land itself. And they're about to return to that land through a quite miraculous event. Albeit, even though it is a miraculous event, it's clear that it seems in a certain sense unnecessary. The miracle of Kriyas HaYardin, the crossing of the Yardin, seems to be something that potentially didn't have to happen. It wasn't necessary, per se. Um, just as a proof, in the previous Perek, you have the two spies that Yehoshua send, and they seem to cross back and forth the Yardin, no problem. Um, further, the people of uh, Jericho who are chasing after them also seem to be able to travel and traverse the, the, the Jordan River, um, no problem. So there needs then to be another reason for the miracle, beyond simply the practicality of getting from one side of the river to the other, as it seems that there are other ways. So that's a key issue in our parak. Why is there a need for this miracle? Obviously, understanding how the miracle takes place is uh, very crucial. Um, and simply understanding uh, some of the very interesting ins and outs that go on in the parak that maybe we might miss through a cursory reading. Of course, as well, we should be careful of uh, noting the connections and the parallels to Kriyas Yamsuf, to the crossing of the Red Sea earlier on in the Jewish people's history, all those years before, and be uh, cognizant of potential language that um, brings to memory those those events. By asking Yeshua Baboker, Yeshua wakes up in the morning. What morning is this? This seems to be, according to the way we've understood it, the morning of the ninth of Nisan. That place where the Miraglim had left from and returned to, they leave from this place Shitim, which seems to be um, directly opposite from Yericho. And they come to the Jordan, to the banks of the Jordan River. And they arrive, they're there. It would seem possible that they could cross at that moment. Yet, they wait one more day. One more day. Now, you might wonder why. Why not just go? If you're there already and there's a possibility of crossing or whatever it is, so cross. So here's very one very key difference between Yamsuf and Yardin. When the Jewish people crossed after leaving Egypt, so they're being chased, and their literally backs are against the wall. The requirement of the event seems to be immediate, practical, and necessary. So it happens right away. Here, there's no one chasing the Jewish people. There's no one encamped across from the Jewish people ready to war. And rather, it's a question of timing, in a sense as to when do we want this event to occur, and what do we want the Jewish people to be thinking about when it is that, in fact, they do cross. So Vayalinu Sham, they rest there, they camp there for the night, seems to me to be that they, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu and Yahushua want the people to consider where they're going, to consider what it's going to take to get there, 
to consider what it's going to require of them once they get there, and to literally stare at the river for a while, you know, to to feel for the moment and to feel for the event in the uh, period just prior to it taking place. So it's clear that this takes place before Pasuk Aleph. Why it's written in the Pasuk Beis? Not sure. But nonetheless, at the end of the three days, again, Again, Yoshua sends out his officers of the court to the nation, to the camp, amongst the people, to speak to them, to speak to them and to inform them as to what's going to be. And Pasukim will say, They command the people as follows. When you see the Aron, the Aron Hashem, the Aron which has the Luchos in them, the Aron that sat in the Kodesh Kadoshim of the Mishkan for all those years, and and it will be that the Kohanim themselves will be carrying it, then you should move from your place and you should follow it along. Crucial, crucial changes here. Rashi tells us, This traveling is different than all before. All the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was alive, the cloud of glory, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's cloud would lead them, would be in front of them, and show them the way. And the Aron would travel following two of the tribes, two of the areas. Essentially what would happen, the Jewish people traveled, they didn't travel, it seems, in a straight line that certain tribes would move, and then certain of the Levium with their specific tasks would move, and then the rest of the nation would go. It wasn't uh, something that there's a big mishmash of people, but rather it was a very organized movement in Klai Yisrael. And before, the people were led by the cloud. Now, they're being led by the Aron. Now the Aron is going first. But not only is the Aron going first, the people carrying the Aron have changed here as well. It's no longer the Levium, whose task it was in the course of the traveling in the desert to carry the Aron, but rather now the Kohanim themselves are the ones carrying, carrying the Aron. And that is different, that is unique, that is special to this event. Perceive this command from the perspective of the people, that they see the Aron going first, that they see the Kohanim carrying it, that they'll see this differently than they've seen anything else in their time, is to engender a sense that this is not not usual, that this is a different moment, that this is on a higher level, this is a separate place, a separate world from all that they've experienced till now. At the same time, from the perspective of the Kohanim, their role is now being enlarged and that the event is to be endowed and imbued with the greater sense of holiness by virtue of it being the Kohanim as opposed to the Levian traveling. This event is a holy event. This event 
is a, a tafkid shal kedusha. It is a, a, a purpose of holiness. And to that end, it requires the aron. And to that end, it requires the majesty and the holiness and the sanctity of the kohanim out front of the people. Nonetheless, even though the Aaron is leading them, they have to keep a distance. The Aaron will lead, the Kohanim will carry it, but you have to keep a distance from the Aaron for a variety of reasons. Rashi says, yeah, nonetheless, you should be at a distance. It's a matter of respect and honor and dignity towards HaKadosh uh, Baruch That uh, the camp and the people can't simply crowd around the Aram. They can't simply be in such close contact, uh, contact and proximity. But there's a difference, a reverence that has to exist. Don't come near it so that you'll be able to see the path that you go. It's if the leader, the person leading them into the charge, into the water, is immediately in front of the first people, so then everyone else can't see, practically can't see where to go. If it's out in the distance, people can look forward, can look ahead, can look from, from some height, some, some, from some areas above, and see the distancing, they are able to, to participate and be able to, to pay attention to the distance of, uh, and to, the, to the, the, the path that they have to take. Why? You haven't gone this way, right? The Dasofim explains. Lamasa, this is not a traveling group. This is Dor Hasheni. These people didn't travel much. This is not the the, 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 the majority of the time in uh, in the desert uh, of this group was moving. It was sitting still. It was in certain locations. They were learning whatever they were doing, but they weren't a traveling bunch. So practically speaking, you don't know the way. The Aron knows the way. Let it lead. Pasuk hey. A few things in this Pasuk. Well, first of all, it's the first time Yoshua, according to the text, speaks to the people. And the first thing that he says, and the first time that he speaks to them, be holy. That language, for me, is reminiscent of Hasinai, where the Jewish people are commanded to prepare themselves, to prepare their own sanctity and holiness in advance of Kabbalah Satorah. And it would seem to be that in this event as well. What's the issue here? Why now his Kadashu? That the event itself is to be viewed not simply as a miracle of crossing, but the event itself, in effect, is a miracle or is a moment of the Gilushchina, the revelation in a certain sense of a Kaddish Baruch It's a holy moment. Be prepared. Be physically, emotionally, spiritually prepared because tomorrow when you cross or as you're crossing, Hashem Bekir Bechem Niflaos, God will do tomorrow for you great miracles. And you have to be prepared. You have to be pure. You cannot be tummy. 
Pasuk Vav arrives, Pasuk Vav arrives, and Kal Yisrael is now set to cross. It's not uh, overtly stated. Um, it's rather subtle, in fact, that the time has arrived. But in fact, the time has arrived. Yoshua tells the Kohanim, Take the Arab, carry it, and move before the nation. And they do so. Now you see some of the pieces moving. Yoshua is now commanding piece by piece, moving, 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 the movement of the Jewish people through the Ardeh, through the river, across into Eretz Yisrael, and they are listening. From a leadership perspective, from the sense that he is now in charge, it's clear they listen, it's clear they are following his lead, it's clear they're doing what it is that he wants of them. Mind you, at this point, they don't exactly know what's going to happen. They're not told exactly what's going to happen. But it is, in fact, Yud Nisan, the day of the crossing, the day on which the Jewish people will enter into Eretz Yisrael, and now Yehoshua is being spoken to by Kodesh Baruch Hu as to why. And now it gets into a very interesting point. Why is this event taking place? Why are the Jewish people uh, crossing in such a manner? Why not just cross, find a bridge and cross? Why, why the, um, the you know, I wouldn't say the pomp and circumstance, but why, why the miracle of, Yom, of, of Yardin? We are rather now Yehoshua in Pasuk Zion, God speaks to Yehoshua and he says, Hayom on this day, you will be viewed as great in the eyes of the people. So reason one is so that the people will view Yehoshua for what he is. The great leader that he is, the great tzaddik that he is, and they will understand and see that the relationship with, between him and God is the same as the relationship that Moshe Rabbeinu had with God. So from one perspective, from the leader's perspective, it is the sense that he should be signed and sealed and delivered as the leader of Klai Yisrael, that the stamp of approval is upon him, and they need to see it in some very practical way, and it has to be at the hand of God. Even though... Uh, Moshe had conferred leadership upon Yehoshua and that it had come from a Gadish Baruch Hu in a sense. Here, it needs to be seen in that way. From a different perspective, we'll see in the later, later Prakim that the reason for the nace itself is Vayimas Levaveinu. The notion of the words of Rachav that the hearts had melted, so that has to become clear and obvious. And the text bears it out that by virtue of this miracle and by virtue of the people hearing it in the land, they are very much afraid of the God of the Jews and of the Jews as they enter. And from the nation's perspective, the language of Yehoshua that God will be doing niflaot in amongst you, it's very important for the people to sense and to feel God amongst them, that God was with them, that God is leading them, that God is attached to them, that God is immediately close to them and amongst them as they move into this new phase, as they move into Eretz Yisrael. Now, Yehoshua, you will command the Kohanim who are carrying the Aron as follows. Whereas till now they had moved, and all this had happened, but nobody knew exactly what was going to be next. No one knew exactly what was going to happen, or exactly how the miracle was going to happen. And yet Yehoshua does everything, right? He does it exactly right. And he says as follows. 
says, as you come to the edge of the Yardain, stand in the Yardain. Here we have a very big machlokas between Rashi and the Radak. Where is it that the Kohenim are supposed to stand? And this is more from a perspective of viewing it in our minds as to exactly how this event occurs. Um, and essentially you get two perspectives. We'll take Rashi's perspective first. Rashi says, When you enter into the water, on the edge of the water, that's where you should stand. Meaning, literally the Kohanim should just enter into the water on the eastern bank of the Yardin, put their feet into the water, and stop. Don't move, Kohanim, until all the nation has passed before you. The second approach, the Redox approach, is polar opposite. The Redox says they should enter the water, and they should be in the water, and stay in the water all the way on the other end, on the shore, essentially, of Eretz Yisrael. So that they step into the water, they walk across the Yardin, and they stop at the edge of the water on the other side until it is that the Jewish people uh, cross before them. Practical difference? It may be simply the perspective of how you view the miracle, how one would see the miracle. By virtue of the Kohanim standing at the, at the, western, at the eastern shore on the side of what is now modern-day Jordan, standing there, and as the people crossed, they would sense, maybe per se, the impact of the Aron and the Kohanim as it relates to to the miracle. If it's on the other side of the river, or maybe on the Eretz Yisrael side, this is purely a speculation, perhaps the people would be overwhelmed by simply seeing what it is that they see, and the specter of the Aron and the Kohanim may get lost. That's a perception, I don't know, a, a speculation. Perhaps as well, Rashi, it seems, is based on the Gemara, which we'll get to in a moment as to exactly um, what happens in the Gemara. Before it happens, Yoshua gathers the crowd. Again, as a machlok is Rashi Radak, um, here as to exactly how he gathers them. Either way, Yoshua gathers the nation and he says, Here, Listen to this, what God has said. With this you will know that there is a God that lives amongst you. All the nations are listed there and that you will inherit all of them. So from the people's perspective, as we mentioned earlier, Bezos Tedun, with this you will know. Rashi says, Bezos is the notion of you're gathering together in such a large quantity of people, or such a large group, in such a small arena. The Radak and the Mabam say, Bezos means with this miracle that is about to occur, you will know the following. Two things. One, that God is with you, and two, that you will inherit this land. Again, impact, imprint, force, the sense that people will feel God amongst them and know in all ways of knowing that God is with them as they go on this task. 
He continues. The Aron is going before you into the water. The Aron of the Adon Kol Aretz. The Aron of God. And you will take from amongst you one of each tribe, 12 people total, for a specific task that is not described here. It's an interesting pasuk, worthy of greater understanding as to why it's located here. One could simply say for representation perspective, but for clearly there is a task that is to be given to them, which we'll hear about in Paragdal. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Now, we get more greater details with respect to the event itself. When it is that the feet of the Kohanim, those carrying and bearing the Aron, reach the Yardin, the water to the Yardin, that the water will split and that water will stand to one side. Essentially what happens here different than what happens in Yamsuf is that you will have at Yamsuf the people walking in between the water and the water is to the right and to the left of them, right? It's walls to their right and to their left. Here it seems... That's not exactly the case. If you think about the Yardin, the Yardin, of course, flows north to south, from the, essentially from the Kinneret to the Yamamelach, if you want to see it that way, and that they're cutting across it. So as the water now travels north to south, it will stop on the northern side of the people. It will continue to rise, essentially, to one large heap, and almost, in a sense, a mountain of water on that side of the riverbed. The water to their left, where the water then travels into the Yamamelach and south, will cease, as there will be no water going down there, and the people will walk in that space. And so it was that when the nation left their tents to cross the river, and the Kohanim were before them, and so it was that when the carriers of the Aron reached the Jordan, and then the feet of those carriers of the Aron who are Kohanim dipped into the edge of the water, according to the Radak, reached the edge of the water. The Yardin was full. The Yardin was full. It was up to the edges of its riverbanks. So the potential could be that there could be a disaster on the shores. In fact, there wasn't. The timing of this is Yimei Katsir. So potentially what you have is the runoff from the mountaintops of the melting snows and the waters of the winter. And now this is now the season in the following so that the river is definitely flowing. It's moving. It's not dry, it's not shallow, but rather it's full force, it's going. The Pesukim continue. It was one heap on one side of the river. At a distance from any town nearby, and certainly from the people, Hayardin Yisov Achor, right? The Tosuk in Tehillim, that we say in Halal, Hayardin Yisov Achor, that the waters, that the Yardin itself will move backwards. 
Vahayardim al yam ha'aravayam ha'melech tamu nichrasu va'am avu neged yericho. The nation crosses directly across from Jericho and the water has stopped to one side of them flowing and on the other side there's simply no water to their left, to the south. The Kohanim are standing ready at the beck and call, fulfilling their task. You could almost say they're not focusing on the people walking in front of them, they're not focusing on the water, they're focused on the task at hand, which is simply to be thinking about and aware of and, uh, and intent on the notion that they are bearing and carrying the Aron and that the people are crossing before them by virtue of the fact that they're carrying the Aron out of honor and kavo to it, the people are able to see it as they're crossing. All of the Jewish people are walking on the dried land at the bottom of the river, the riverbed. The Kohanim stood there until it was that, the, that all of the nation had crossed, and then it would be that the Kohanim would leave the water. We'll see exactly what happens in the immediate aftermath of the crossing of the Yardin with the people, with the Kohanim, with the Aron, and with the 12 men described in that sort of dangling verse earlier in the parak. We'll see what happens to them in the next parak. But I want to share with you two things that came out of the commentaries in the Gemara Masecha Sota with respect to Kriyasa uh, Yardin. The first thing is, why specifically does the Aron need to be in front of the people at this moment? And that's explained by the Maharsha in his commentaries on the Agadic texts in the Gemara. And two, what's Yahushua doing during the course of Kriyas Yamsuf? What's his role? So with respect to the Aron, the Maharsha writes a very interesting, and I think a very beautiful idea, that the Aron rises or or comes to the front of the nation by virtue of the fact that they're now entering into Eretz Yisrael, they're now entering into the Holy Land, and in a certain way, the Aron feels for where it's going. It senses the the land before it, the Kedusha and the Tahara, the purity and the holiness and the sanctity of its new location, and it's ultimately its new home. And it's, in some sense, it's pulled or it's moved to come forward. When it travels in the desert, that holiness and that sanctity of the land itself is not there. So it requires being amongst the people to have that holiness with it. It's a very beautiful idea in the Masha. At the same time, what's Yoshua doing? So here Yoshua, it seems, according to the Gemara, is essentially providing a rally cry um, to the people as it is that they're entering. And he's also, it seems, focusing them on the task at hand so that they don't get lost in the miraculous nature of this event. Says the Gemara in Masachas Sota, Daflamadalad, as follows. They're still walking in the river, they're standing in the Yardain, and Yehoshua is speaking to them. You can call it a pep talk. You can call it a, uh, a message to the people. You can call it Musar. You can talk, call it a rallying cry. Whatever you want to call it, listen to it is what Yehoshua is doing when the nation is crossing. You can imagine the moment. The waters have split. The Kohanim and the Aaron are standing to one side. The people are walking through. And Yehoshua is standing maybe on a mountaintop or maybe on a hilltop somewhere or maybe in the river. 
as the people pass by, and he's saying as follows: Remember why it is, for what reason you're crossing the Yarden. For the purpose, the intent, the condition that simply you will come in and that you will inherit the land from those that are sitting in it right now. The Gemara continues. If you do it, great. Wonderful, then it will happen exactly as commanded. If you don't do it, if you're not Morish, those nations, if you do not inherit them, if you do not chase them out, what's going to happen? The waters will come, they will drown you. My Osichem, the Gemara continues. What is that word Osichem? It's a very strange word. Osi ve'eschem. Not only you, but me. We'll all be lost. The beautiful Sefer called Sefer Yoshua Shoftim Alpiha Mesora. Beautiful Sefer. In the section at the top of the page, the Beiru Ha'inyanim, he says as follows. Imlotam du banisa yon hazeh. If you do not pass this test, then the waters will drown us. He says to them as follows. You see all the water that's standing onto one side of the river really, really high? It's a miracle. But realize that that water could very easily drown you. That water could very easily destroy us. And it's supposed to impart in the nation a sense of awe and fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a very real and very physical way. Similar, he says, to the way that the Gemara talks about and the Midrashim talk about that the nation stood under the mountain, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu raised the mountain of Hashinah over them, and they stood under it, and that it should be a very a clear sense as to what it was. The same Sefer makes a very important point. Why is it that it physically happens differently than at Yamsuf? Now, why is Kriyas Hayardin different than Kriyas Yamsuf in a physical sense, meaning why does the water split differently? Right? The Yamsuf also traveled north to south. It also moved. So what's the deal? So he says as follows. Amavadim, Har Sinai, Hashem ben a nation of slaves, before the Har Sinai moment, must know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching over them, He's shielding them, to prepare them to be a Ben Bechor, to be the leader, to be the firstborn. But after 40 years of simply sitting and learning, without any worries, they're standing at the cusp of the purpose of their existence. And if God forbid they were not able to handle this task, then the water should drown us all. Because then we have simply missed the purpose, we've missed the point. If we can't fulfill the, ta- the task at hand, our opportunity to, to, to settle the land the fulfillment of the promise to Avram Avinu, we should be wiped out. 
So it's important that Yoshua impart this message to them. It's important that they take it in, that it becomes part of who they are, that it becomes intertwined with their very fiber of being as they now move in to Eretz Yisrael. And now they begin to fulfill the promises as laid out by HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Torah. Continue tomorrow with Perik Dalek.